I got out of Guardians, like I saw it on like a, a Wednesday night at like 9 p.m. So it was like midnight when I got out of there. And at first I was like, yeah, it was okay. The more I think about that movie, the more I like the it. The better it got, right? Yeah, oh, I absolutely. Like, I walk out of the theater, I was like, pretty good. I got to the car. Man, that was pretty good. It was better. It was better. Got on the phone, was thinking about it, talking to my friend. Yo, this movie was so great. Like it just it that escalated. Is like the, that is like the bone <laughs> opposite of Dark Knight Rises for me. <laughs> like Dark Knight Rises, I was in the theater and I was like, oh, that was okay. And then the credits rolled and I was like, that was there was some problems with that. <laughs> and then I was walking to the, the car, car and like, I was this like, is a shit movie. That really wasn't very good. And then by the time I got home, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> You felt cheated. <laughs> we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? <laughs> Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, episode 74 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke Matthews, and I am here with the Trade Secrets crew of Eddie Isaac... Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> Andy Piddell. Yo. And Joel Simon. Sup? And a whiny dog in the background, so if you hear that, you know you know what it is. It's not It's not that Anne... Anne's actually not here. It's not that <laughs> oh, that's your background. first whining. whining. Come on, guys. I want to talk <laughs> about comics. Uh, this show, we are talking about the soon-to-be TV show... Chris Robertson and Mike Allred comic iZombie. Brains. Uh, a Vertigo, a Vertigo title that I don't remember when the first one released, so we'll worry about that later. Uh, Siri doesn't need to be on the show today. I'm not sure. I, I've, lo- <laughs> I've got a relationship with Siri. <laughs> uh, so there isn't, there isn't a hell of a lot in the way of comic book industry news right now. So um, I was actually going to bring up some uh, a, a listener email, from yet again from Scanner51. Uh, sent us an email. Is this from Scanner51? Yes, it is from Scanner51. Okay. Uh, Loyal listeners. <laughs> So as as everyone knows, um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy released the weekend of our last show and has been doing fantastically well uh, in the box office, which is really cool. Um, and for his, some reason, losing the turtle still, though. Uh, well, second weekend for Guardians and first weekend for Turtles, I think, they compared. But yeah. it still baffles me that Turtles is... Like number one box office for the weekend at release that disgusts me a little bit, dude. Michael Bay slowdowns. Oh God, it just like even the ads make it just it looks like Transformers. I'm it telling you, exactly that it looks, like, looks Transformers. like Transformers. Shredder's a Transformer. Oh God, it's just like there's no, it does not. From what I've heard and I've I've seen I haven't seen the whole clip. I've seen like little bits of it, but there's supposedly there's one good part of the movie. And that entire thing is an elevator scene. And it's there's apparently like the four turtles in an elevator waiting for the elevator to get somewhere and they they start beatboxing. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be very, very turtles-like, you know, right? Very okay. kind of the way we remember like, it. Go but, ninja, go ninja, go. Yeah, right. <laughs> where's where's Spe- Vanilla Ice? Speaking of which, I, I actually had a chance to watch. So I missed the first turtles, but on TV they ran a turtles marathon. 
So I got to watch the second one, Secret of the Ooze, and Turtles in Time. Turtles, Turtles in Time three, right? I thought Turtles in Time was two. And no, of the Turtles in Time is number Secret three. Secret of the Ooze is number two. Secret of the Ooze okay. is number two, right? And Secret of the Ooze was not good. Turtles wanna, in Time was good. It was pretty good. Um, the thing is, you want to talk about like corny? Oh yeah, can't be freaking just like oh my god, guys in suits like just lame stuff. Those movies personify oh, yeah. that. <laughs> like, it's well, like, <laughs> how do you not with that property, right? Yeah. How do you go super serious with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles property? You, 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 you th- base it on the Eastman and Laird version. Yeah, it, okay. Yes, it was serious, but it's still it was still pretty fucking Even campy. when you start, I saw there's a clip, and even when you start thinking about the name, right? First of all, you got to think, what guy comes up with something that he says... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That sounds so totally awesome, guys. What do you think, right? And then, and then you think there's a clip, and it's like April's like, "Are you, you guys are Ninja Turtle teenagers?" Oh, when you say it like that, it just sounds silly. And I'm like, "See, <laughs> somebody caught on because it does. It's a silly ass name." Yeah, and it's supposed to be. And and I I <laughs> up until recently, I owned the IDW hardcover reprint of the original eight first eight issues of the Eastman and Laird book. It's pretty fucking campy. Well, it, like, yeah, it's, okay. it's, it starts it's definitely out, darker than like the '90s cartoon. The '90s cartoon oh, gotcha. is like, doop, doop, doop. but the oh, thing yeah. is, like, it had well, to like, find its pizza. legs. And the first yeah. like sixteen or twenty uh, issues sort of set up what goes on, mm-hmm. and then eventually, like, you know, Leonardo leaves the group for a while to go, and you know, they killed a shit ton of people. <laughs> Splinter dies. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Have you? Well, so wait a minute. Are you talking about the new IDW book? No, the old one, the original one. Because yeah, the new one, the new one, I actually really enjoyed. I, I really actually time. like uh, the Turtles in Time book that yeah. just came out. It's that perfect level of camp that goes along with you know. It's not trying to be really serious. I mean, they've got Krang and stuff in there, but sure. it's Krang, fun, but <laughs> Bebop and serious. Rocksteady. The the Arnim Zola of the Turtles universe. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, I um. What were you going to say something originally, though, before we went on that Turtles tangent? Did it have anything to do with MODOK? No. Because is no, amazing. I'm fine with the Turtles tangent because I grew up on Turtles, and I that movie just, like, uh, it makes me die inside a little. It's not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be one of the people that's like, it's ruining my childhood. Yeah. No, it's, it's because I can still go back and watch those Turtles cartoons all exactly. I want if yeah. I feel like it. Do you like, remember the two... 2006 reboot initially like yeah the, was it 2006 uh, something like that mid 2000s but like it was the, uh i forget who directed that it was the cg one right yeah that was the cg yeah, one yeah. yeah it was crap yeah it was not good <laughs> it was not it was good crap um so like so i guess honestly if you think about the first three movies and the cg reboot and then this one which i haven't seen so i won't super comment on it there hasn't been a good movie yet. but there hasn't right that's what I'm <laughs> okay well luke just ladies and gentlemen luke matthews there <laughs> hasn't been a good turtles movie <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of nostalgia for the '90s ones, right? The, yeah, the both the cartoon and the the live action yeah. like goofy suit turtles. Yeah. But that nostalgia is not because it's good. Like the nostalgia is because it's campy and fun and stupid and kind of bad. Yeah. But whatever. Like I mean, it's just. Well, I mean, it's important to have that sort of thing, like you know, for kids to. I guess get into comics mm-hmm. because the stuff that we enjoy isn't going to be this sort of thing that pulls in like a ten year old or a twelve year old. Yeah, not so, this day and age. No. Yeah, well, Guardians you, of the Galaxy was. Oh, the question when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. So what was the question from Scanner Fifty One? <laughs> oh, the can- the question from Scanner Fifty One. Come 51. full circle. Um, he says, with the success of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, does Disney slash Marvel need the X Men and Spider Man in their movie universe? Nope. Wait, no. would you let uh, me finish the fucking nope. email? Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> he says, before the Guardians movie came out, I would have said yes. In fact, I would have said they quote-unquote needed them, but now I'm not so sure. These characters were pretty much unknowns to everyone, plus uh, two surprise characters they included got, uh, they got, they've got superstars now. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I never thought they needed them. Absolutely. Like, um, so, no. absolutely, the caliber of writing that they've done for those movies has sort of... The characters that they have do not matter as long as they keep the stories as good as they have. Sure. Um, well, unless it's Thor 2. Well. <laughs> you know, I think so here, fucking boring. Here's the thing. And, you know, when I was thinking about my list of my list that I posted about, about the Marvel movies, right, it's, it's not so much that, in my opinion, that any of those movies were bad. It's just a certain movie set the standard, right? So Iron Man comes out. That mm-hmm. sets the bar at a certain level, right? So any movie that is not comparable or, or excuse me, comparable or like better than, you're kinda like, eh, you know, you start you start going down that list. And it just so happens like I watched Thor Two. Thor Two is not a bad movie. It's just not as good as these other, other movies. Well, but movies, here like, in the in the general pantheon of the phase one and phase two Marvel mm-hmm. movies, it's way down. Guardians the list. is phase oh, no, two, right? It's down the list. What? Guardians is phase two, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, phase okay. two. Um, I think phase three starts with Age of Ultron. Yeah, yeah. because well, I thought phase two phase two ends with Age of Ultron. Okay, right? yeah. so oh no, it ends. Like an event, right. Avengers yeah. movies are the end. That's of the right. Phase. That's right. But, but, real but, quick, uh, before let's say spoilers for five minutes, if you have not watched Guardians, uh, I don't fast. want you guys talking about Guardians of the Galaxy because I haven't seen it. You what? son of a <laughs> bitch. Sorry. Eddie, have you seen it? Fuck yeah. Okay, you finally saw it. Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I saw okay, it too. And, and I'll, we'll go off on a tangent, then we'll come back to this to the to the email. I, I we were I was talking with Eddie about this earlier this morning that um I I don't really like having a project having installed a projector in my house, I'm really reluctant to go to theaters anymore um that's fair and it was one of those things where like if i just had like even if i had my old tv which was a 65 inch tv i would still go to theaters because it was like it's still a fucking theater and there's still yes i've got a giant tv but it's still a big difference it's not so big a difference anymore and if I sit at home, I can drink a beer, and I don't have to be deal with fucking stupid people in yeah. a theater. Yeah, that's so true. underwear during a but movie. But Guardians is that good? I, it I is though. And, and oh. that, so, in all in all honesty, that's one of the things that will convince me not to go to the theater because, and it's another thing I talked to Eddie about. If I know for a fact I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray, yeah. then Save I'm not going to spend the twenty dollars for Christina and I to go see it in a theater. Yeah. When I can just when I know for a fact, like we've already pre-ordered okay. it on but Amazon. Wait a second, so weren't like, you weren't you lamenting the fact that there was no poker and Christina is gone and you had like Christina nothing? would Christina would eviscerate me for seeing <laughs> that movie without her. Flay, Flay, <laughs> not eviscerate. Okay. Right, so possibly drawn quarter. Yeah, drawn that's true. Quarter, she might kill better. us all by proxy as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I but, told you, motherfuckers. But yeah, coming back to the question, um, there has never been a point where I thought that the X-Men and the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe need to be uh, combined. Um, nor uh, would I want them to be combined. No, not at all. So here's sort of my two cents on that one. For the majority of the time, I would have agreed with that statement. However, when Thor came out, I was like, maybe they're you know pulling just a little bit farther than they need to. But now that like Guardians is out without spoilers, I will say that they can use any property that they have. I am super yeah. fucking excited for like Ant Man or Doctor Strange to have a movie. Yeah, the caliber I, of the. I'm not it, as excited about Ant Man anymore because of the 
production oh, troubles. Yeah, that it's gone they're having through. troubles. Like, they lost cast members. They lost Edgar Wright. They lost that, so that much movie that might I'm get like, shelved for a while because it's, it's, it's in freaking shambles. But but, but so wait, 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 just let me finish here. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll let you finish. But like, it's not an issue. Hold on, of, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna let you finish. finish. I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> but but. <laughs> Winter Soldier was the best Marvel movie so far. Like seriously, it's a, it's an issue of them getting the correct writers in order to make stories that I'm interested in. Right. I don't care what the characters are. Like I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I think Star Lord is awesome. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, we, you know, Groot is going to be the one you're following. No, Star Lord was great because of the way that they wrote him as a character, mm-hmm. and they could have done that with literally any. You know, like they could take fucking Stilt Man and make him a villain in a movie, and if they they wrote it right, it would be fun to watch. Unlike the Spider Man movie, which is you know just it's an abortion pretty much of just you know <laughs> like let's throw a bunch of cool shots and go nowhere. It's the like the Michael Bay equivalent. It's you know there's these panning you know cinematic views of stuff that are really cool to watch, but there's nothing that is. You're not going to pull anything away from that other than that instant gratification. We were talking, to, or I was posting about that yesterday because I watched the entire Jurassic Park trilogy yesterday, which was <laughs> dumb. Like, first movie's who's fantastic. The, who's the producer? The producer, I don't know. I mean, directed Spielberg the, directed Spielberg. the first two and Joe Johnston f- directed there we go, the third that one. third one, okay, it was different. That's um, right. So, that's, but that was the same comparison that I made there. Like, the Jurassic Park 1 feels like a story. It feels yes, like a, a fully realized story with indeed. characters that have motivation yep. and that shit happens to them and there's a there's a story arc. Jurassic Parks 2 and 3 are nothing but uh, set pieces just kind of loosely linked together. They're the, just like, ooh, what kind of cool set piece can we do with dinosaurs? The, Let's put some fucking random elbows there were, connective there tissue were parts, in between. There were parts from the first movie that they took out and they put all those deleted seeds yeah. into a movie. <laughs> yeah. They were like, "Let's mash this together." And that's how it felt. I sort of, I'm, I think, same, oh, I, I think that I'm feeling the, uh, sort of the same way about movies that I do about comics anymore. It's not. I don't care what the characters are. I'm interested in what the writer is. Mm. And, you know, the quality of the writing will come through no matter what the... Like, fucking Moon Knight. I never gave a shit about Moon Knight until this uh, Warren Ellis Warren run. Warren Ellis one. I liked the Bendis one that came out a few years ago. That, that wasn't bad, was yeah. Um, the... I, I... To some... In some ways, I agree with you. One of the things that I disagree with, though, is that I think... Um, like... First of all, I don't think that the Marvel Cinematic Universe ever needed the X-Men or Spider-Man to be there. Um, Because before these movies ever even started coming out, I never really thought that the the greater Marvel Universe and the X-Men Universe really ever needed to be combined, right? And they really were quite separate. I mean, there was some dabbling like Wolverine with the Avengers. Yeah, you've got the Avengers universe and then you've got X-Men's universe. Exactly. That's the thing. And that's the, it's the same thing with DC. DC does the same thing, right? There, for the longest time there was like Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman were their own pantheons. They had their own villains. They had their own basic storylines and their own universes and then they combined them into this like kind of uber universe in order to be able to cross them over. Same thing happened with Marvel with the Avengers kind of, you know, the Avengers universe, the Fantastic Four universe, yeah. and the X-Men universe were all separate entities that they combined into a mega universe. And I don't think that ever needed to happen because I think that you actually can tell better stories when you're when you have the original like limited universe yeah. that you're in. And I think that's the danger with like if there's ever an opportunity that Sony doesn't no longer uh, that Fox no longer owns X Men and Sony no longer owns Spider Man, 
there's a danger of pulling them all into the same universe because then um, the writers, the producers and the writers are going to start to feel obligated to combine things and have storylines like X-Men versus Avengers and yeah. shit like that. And then you start losing, you start ending up with Marvel events, right? You start ending up losing stories in Four favor events. of giant events that yeah. don't have anything that, that are really just set pieces based on uh, on conglomerations of giant groups of characters. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but we know those uh, we know those Marvel events, they're they're like twenty percent hit. I mean they're batting the below the Mendoza line. There are one or two of those yeah, they're events not good. that are super awesome, but most of the most of the time they're And horrible. I don't even like a lot I don't even like the ones that a lot of people think are fantastic. Like I don't like Civil War. Oh uh, so good. I, a lot of people really like it. I don't like it. I didn't think it was very good. What did you think about um, House of M? I thought House of M was pretty decent. Okay. Like, um, I did not like Fear Itself at all. No. Like, it's like you could have grown a third arm. You're like, you, you said this series of words that did not make sense I know, to I me. I know a lot of people think that way, but I just so, uh, I just thought that they were... Uh, I, I thought how... I thought... Um, I thought Civil War was fine. Just... I didn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, fear itself was poorly executed. Period. Yeah. Like it was just not well done. But anyway, I, I mean, they didn't need to be combined in the regular universe. So I don't like. I fear the day that they decide to try and combine them in the cinematic universe. Yeah. So, like as that, a tangent, it sort of makes me show. happy. Like I am a little bit reassured that I know that there's no chance of Sony ever letting. X Men out of like Sony's cold dead hands will Fox have has X Men or Fox yeah, yeah. will have you know X Men until like oh, yeah. literally that company does not exist. Yeah. They will churn out a shit movie every three years if they have to because in order they to have keep to, that to keep the contract. Yep, yeah. they will do it. You know, as, oh, so I was watching this weekend or all this week. They've been showing on FS, FXX just superhero movies. Yeah. So I watched uh, Spider Man three just because it was in the background. Oh. Wait, and, you're yeah. not dead. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> oh, God. It's, the one, it's, that's the perfect Spider-Man, example. And of Spider-Man a- 3 was going okay, okay and it, they were just tried to do way too much with it. And then Same um, as X3. Yesterday, yesterday they had on... Um, oh, my God. Why am I drawing a brain fart right now? Uh, the Hulk. The Ed Norton which Hulk one? one. The Ed Norton oh, one. Oh, Incredible Hulk. Yeah, the Incredible Hulk, which was pretty good until they came down to the abomination and dropping Hulk and... God, Jellyfish. Yeah. Um, that was the first one. That was the that first was the one. Angley one. I don't even know what's going the on giant, with those movies giant anymore. St- fighting a giant storm cloud at the end. Hulk what dogs. What? Yeah, we don't know what to do with this. Yeah, they, and whenever Hulk comes down to you know fighting another Hulk-like creature, it just loses it. But everything before you better that watch was it. good. Eddie's gonna jump all up in your shit for. for okay, okay. That you movie. know, we're, <laughs> no. I have, I have something. You know what? I'm going to answer that question because okay. I didn't get to, and then I'm going to talk about Luke. So. No, 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 okay. no. Actually, we're not. We're yeah, not going to have Before you get to that, I'm just saying Fox, Fox was showing all these superhero <laughs> movies on that, that aren't their properties, but they're showing them because they can, and I think it's just to, for the love of superhero movies. Like next uh, t- today is going to be Captain America, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and they're just showing all these movies. I watch that Thor. every time it comes yeah. on because it's just so I love good. The, the first it's, Captain America movie is so, so fucking good. good. I watch really? it every the time. The second it comes one's on. pretty good too. Yeah, the no, second it, one it is. But I think the second bunker. one's. I, I think the second one is equal in quality to the first one. I won't call it better because there are some things that I like a lot better, and there are some things that I don't like quite as much. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I I mean to be honest, like. Uh, well, we um, talked about this morning how so Winter Soldier, and if you haven't seen it, I mean, hey, it's been out for a while now. So, um, 
we were talking about Luke and I kind of agreed on the fact that the the ninety five percent of that movie is great, right? Mm. Yeah. The ending is like so out of a ten is like a seven seven point five. Yeah. Gotta wrap but, things up real quick. It doesn't. But it's quite forgivable live up to yeah. what led into right. it. But it's forgivable only because the rest of the movie is so great. So you're not so yeah. focused on like. Uh, the ending. You're 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 you you're you're like you know your mind. You're like I just watched an awesome hour and so many minutes of a movie, and then like the last five minutes was like mm, mm, that could have been better. Yeah, but and you're that, not disappointed from right, it. No. Yeah, and that yeah. was the thing with that movie. Like I was like I said earlier that that movie is worth it just for the interactions between Cap and, and Falcon. Like yeah. that that part alone was was like them on movie, your left. That movie is worth it just for the backstory. Like, I mean, you watch Falcon literally over the course of an hour and 45 minutes go from a guy who, you know... Doing PTSD counseling yep, he's, to he's, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Yeah, <laughs> like, he becomes, you know, an actual superhero over the course of that movie. It's on par with Iron Man. Like, Oh, and the, turning fucking Gary Shandling's fucking senator into a Hydra agent was a stroke of that genius. That was so awesome! Brilliant. Because you, you look at the backstory of that and you're like, well, he's questioning Tony Stark during that little committee thing. Yeah. He's like really yeah. going in on him and you're like, oh, this is why he's so <laughs> pressed to get the fucking suit because, oh, hail Hydra. Like, yeah. you, you know? But um, I didn't get a chance to really talk about the question that I wanted to. Um, the combination about, yes. about the question. Okay, the, not so, about the Hulk movie. No, I'm not. not we're not going to talk about that. The, Tangents. So the this is. I, I definitely don't think that they need it. They need the X Men universe to combine, and because the X Men universe one is, you have to be a very dedicated fan to even follow that universe because that universe time skips so much yeah, that it's yeah. hard for you to know what's accurate, who's who, See, and they don't when. Need to do that in Thanks, movies. So, they did. They right. They they they, 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 did they did. Days of Future Past, and they retconned a bunch of shit, which right. which I'm not. Which, but 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 that's how X Men has always been written because of because yeah. you remember I, I think it was you I was talking about or somebody else I was talking about it with where you write the time travel principle into your story because anytime you make a mistake that's unpopular, you can simply just yeah. get rid of it. Like and that's yeah. that's that's your safe that's your safe zone, right? It's like well we can just write whatever we want. You know why? Because we have the time travel paradox, so we can just simply write that out. Yeah. The only thing I could ever see is so with the Age of Ultron movie, the in the comic books, the Avengers get annihilated and the Avengers B squad is activated and Spider Man's on that team, Wolverine's on that team, Iron Fist and a couple other fucking B list potentially do Iron Hawkeye because is Hawk no Hawkeye was no Hawkeye gets annihilated, he gets freaking destroyed too. Hawkeye's not on the B Avengers team. He's on the because he's on their main team. Okay, or, huh? You know, I may, you know, it could be maybe yeah, whatever. whatever. But whatever. Yeah. But anyway, that's the only thing I could see. But at the same time, do we need it? No. And freaking Spider Man is just like the thing. You know, I just want to see not, Power Man hit somebody with a belt. That's all I'm asking. Well, well, <laughs> well the other thing I'm thinking about. Well, the other thing I'm th- the other thing I'm thinking about is like not not including those characters though does take away the potential for certain stories but you're not like we're not really hoping for the Avengers versus X-Men thing if we don't want to see Civil War because Spider-Man's death is what starts Civil War yeah. like so if Spider-Man doesn't actually it was the explosion of uh, Speedball in yeah. Maine well that yeah. but that but then when remember when Peter Parker like let people see his identity and then they came his freaking enemies came and they freaking killed him like okay, so I have huge problem. Like that is the one part of Civil War that I have the biggest problem with. They didn't kill Peter Parker. 
No, he dies. Not for no, Civil War. Not for Civil no, War. Not for Wait, Civil well, War. That's yes, it dies, but it's not a Civil War thing. But, okay, yeah, that so was the ultimate <coughs> universe. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's, let's Maybe rewind here for a second. The big reveal for Spider-Man, specifically in Civil War, was that he goes up to a press conference and takes off the mask. That, He's like, okay, I'm yeah. Peter Parker. Yeah. That runs counterintuitive to literally 30 years of history of Spider-Man. Yeah. And it was so out of character for him that it that is like the one note sort of in that storyline that I hate. What? That's, that Wait, happens, Millar shook things up? That happens no. frequently with the Marvel events, and that's one of the things that... That's one of the things that I, I have to say that frustrates me when this discussion comes up about where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to run, because the fanboys for the Marvel Universe all... It bothers me, right? Avengers, as a movie, was not really based on a particular storyline that happened in the comic book. It's a combination. But of, that's yeah. and that's what made it awesome, right? Like Iron Man, it was still an origin story, right. but they fucked with it quite a bit. Of course they modernized it too. Yeah, they um so everything yeah, their origin stories are all there, but most of the actual storylines like the Captain uh, like Winter Soldier storyline yeah. The only thing that was similar to the comic book was Winter Soldier's origin. Right. Everything else was a separate storyline, a new thing that yeah. they came up with. And the thing that bothers me about the dialogue that happens whenever we start talking about the Phase 2, Phase 3, and, and Beyond Marvel Universe is that all of the people who are talking about it are like, oh, what storyline are they going to adapt from the comics? Right. Fuck that. Fuck adapting storylines from the comics. You've got the characters. Do something new. Yeah. You know, give me a storyline that these characters haven't done before. Well, I think the whole Guardians. purpose of that, what yeah. right? I yeah. think Guardi- I think Guardians is leading into that. Think, like, yes, and and I but, think that's what's going to happen. Know what? But it pisses me off because so many people right now are talking about like, oh well, we couldn't do like the Civil War storyline because Osborn isn't part of the uni- MCU, and it's like who the fuck cares? Yeah. We don't need to do the Civil War storyline. And even if they do, they could fucking alter it however the hell they want. But we, from from watching all the Avengers movies, um, and with the exception of you haven't seen, uh, Luke hasn't seen Guardians or whatever, but like, so we good. know, we, we... I know. Oh, we, I know. We, uh, we know, we know... Blacklight comment. <laughs> We know that the Infinity Gems are about to are about to play a huge part. Sure, like we we just we we know this right. Yeah. And one of the most popular Marvel, one of my favorites too. One of the most popular storylines is the Infinity Gauntlet. So it's like <laughs> the story that had a retcon built in from the start. Yes, <laughs> yes, we can do whatever we want because, because then we're just going to use the Infinity Gems get, to erase it all. Erase it all <laughs> exactly right. So it's like, but we we know that. Especially with the uh, with the at the event of at the end of Avengers with the with Thanos coming you know coming to life or Thanos I, coming to life. So without a spoiler, like obviously Thanos is in the movie. I was really impressed. Like it, I was very impressed. Like he doesn't seem out of place, which he, is really he, cool. Which is all, weird for the way Thanos looks. Yeah, and like you kind of he, expect he, he fits perfectly. You see into it, the and movie. you're just and like it's not. There's no break in like the. The continuum, or like nope. you know, the, your th- thoughts of the I movie. Think, well, and that's the thing. That's one of the things that I think they've done really well with the MCU is that they have they have managed to successfully blend the absurd with the realistic. Yes, which is something that no one has ever been able to successfully do with superhero movies before, right? Even even X Men faltered at that. X Men oh. Two was really good. X Men Three was fucking terrible. They, and they tried to ground the X Men. I think too yeah. much. They tried to make them like too into reality. Sure. And one of the things that I like is that the moment you know Iron Man started things out with being this kind of like hyper realistic but 
it still pushed the boundary. The moment that the Thor movie came in, all bets were off. They could do, they succeeded at making Thor watchable. And once they did that, they could do whatever the fuck they wanted with their Marvel movie, which is one of the things that baffled, that I thought was funny when they were the very early inklings of Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it one time and we were like, I'm not sure, because people were talking about them bringing in the Skrull, which they can't do because they don't own Fantastic Four and Skrull is part of the Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four, which is yeah. why you ended up with Chitari <laughs> instead of Skrulls, Skrulls. or Scree. And, uh, but they don't own the Kree, though. The Kree is a property of uh, Marvel still owns that. Because yeah, Ronan those were is, the a, is a Kree judge. In Guardians sure. of the Galaxy. Right. So, but that's... A, but, I remember thinking to myself, man, if they bring the scroll into this, it's going to be so dumb. And if they have, and I even thought it's going to be so stupid if they even do aliens of any kind. And then they did them, and I was totally fine with it. And they fucking pulled it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is the most amazing thing about what's happened with the Marvel Universe is that they have allowed this level of absurdity to mm-hmm. seep into it to, in such a way that you you are willing to suspend your disbelief yeah. and willing to accept that level of absurdity with certain things. Well, they yeah. still managed to bind everything to science. Like They still managed to keep this level of well this is explainable through science or at least or, they just tell you it is or they without ever explaining without it. ever explaining except it. That's, gyms, and that's except what, for the gems and that's what i was talking about with the with thor um where there's a very short conversation between thor and natalie portman's yep. character in that mm-hmm. movie where she's like um you know is this magic and he he sp- he spouts <laughs> he the line the of the of the um, you know, science advanced to a specific to a certain degree is indistinguishable from magic, magic kind yep. of idea, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, we need to yeah, buy, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah. I'll buy and that's that. why Thor two. Like, I didn't like Thor two not because of the of what happened in it, but because I thought that like Malekith is like the most boring villain in the, in he, the Marvel. He movie. he is it's your like, just he so is dumb. your standard like no personality zero personality zero and, personality, and that's really and that's really a rough. Thing. So before you guys that's get on with that, rough thing to do in a movie that. Loki's in. So, yeah, because one of Loki, the favorite things that I've ever heard someone say is magic that is sufficiently disappointing is no dis- is not distinguishable from technology. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. But yeah, I I just think um we've gone on plenty of tangents and we've talked about a lot of stuff, but I think that the the core of like mixing the universes is, is that I actually hope they it. never do. Yeah, we don't yeah. need it. Wait, but more importantly, to answer the question, you I think all of us are in agreement movie? that it does not matter if the two universes Ever like the the Marvel universe no. as it is now does not need the X Men. It does not need Spider Man. No. Doesn't we need agree. Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't need any of that. Doesn't bullshit. need any of it. So for the last two weeks, we've been reading I Zombie. Um, we chose to read I Zombie. I I uh, offered up I Zombie because Ooh, I, I, um, at. Uh, I. A couple months ago, it got announced that it was going to be turned into a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the WB picked it up for a TV show. And uh, it was all over um, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. They had It was on like the swag bags at San Diego Comic-Con and stuff for the TV show. All over the place. Um, so, iZombie is a Vertigo comic uh, that is written by Chris Robertson of Monkey Brain Comics fame. Uh, he did another book that we read, and oh, what was it called? It was the one with the the woman who goes into the antique shop and finds the key that takes her into the the realm. Is that of Memorial? Memorial. Thank you. Yeah, he wrote Memorial as well. <coughs> IDW. Um, 
Why Fuck, I don't even remember that book anymore. Yeah, it was Memorial? a long time. It was a long time ago. We did it. That was fucking fuck ago. Fuck all along ago. Mm, it was. Anyway, um, and it was. it's drawn by Michael Allred, and everybody knows Michael Allred. He's been around forever. Yeah. He wrote, um, what's what's his book? The the one that he's famous for, the guy with the exclamation point. The, like fucking, uh, whatever, I can't remember. The answer? I No, no. It's, I'm, a, I'm a bad person to talk about Michael Allred. Uh, because I even I said I keep thinking Freakazoid before yeah that's no. what I was just like before I that's the, what's funny about this um, is that before I even uh, before we even decided to do iZombie um, and before I realized who drew it uh, I was I had posted to Twitter just r- one of those random posts where I was like nerd confession I don't like Mike Allred's art <laughs> and I got my shit pushed in for it. <laughs> I like your stool is sticking out here. It was uh, the internet being the gentleman that it is. Yeah, so right, right. push your stool in for you. Um, and and I think that's unfortunately that's one of the things that I have to voice first off. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get my negatives about this book out of the way early so that I don't just sound like I'm bitching for the whole show. But I am not a fan of Mike Allred's art, and I'm gonna I'm gonna specify for the internets uh, uh, that. I don't think he's a bad artist. It's just not your style. I just do not like his style. Like there are there are artists that I can say I think are just bad. Like that that issue of of fucking um, what was the not who's the bro that doesn't draw feet? The man of bronze. What the fuck is like? Well, we were talking about it years and years ago about it. Fuck, I have melty faces and shit. Yeah, is is it it field that doesn't draw feet? Oh yes, yeah. it's like Lifefield's <laughs> lack of feet. There are people out there who are bad artists. Mike Allred is most clearly not. He's a good artist. His art is well constructed. It, it's well constructed. It's consistent. Yeah, and it, he definitely has his own style. It's consistent, really across the board. Everywhere you see Mike Allred's art, it's the same, and you can definitely be like, "I know this is a Mike Allred piece of art." Yeah, and, and um, Luke just hits the note button. Yeah, Luke. and I just, I'm just not a. I'm not a fan, um, and that's not to say it, it's it detracted from this book a little for me actually because I just didn't. Um, I think what's odd is it detracted from the book for me, but I really think it fits the style of the book pretty well. Yeah, um, maybe we're just not the target market. Like I'm, I'm just you know speaking sort of off the cuff here, but I, I feel like maybe we're not the target market that this book is going for, and that's part definitely. of the problem. Yeah. So what about what do you think of my, uh, Mike Allred's art? I mean, I think it's I think it's just fine. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, some of the the vampires, I, like some of his women, are a little weird, but it's a stylic, stylistic choice, you know, and, and I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm not a, I'm not a big art guy in the first place, though. You know, if it's if it's ser- serviceable enough, then okay. you can, <laughs> easy to please. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I call uh, them drawers. I, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I, I do like it particularly in this book i think i think the art style goes along with the writing Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the it it doesn't it's there at no point is there a disconnect however i can say this there are a couple things that like certain scenes i'm like i can see the fangs 
on this vampire. Right. Like, Why can't you see the fangs <laughs> on this vampire? Like, That's that right. was a problem for me. That was it was like, a problem I'm for me a lot. Else, I'm like, glad somebody else said that because what? that bothered me when she like walks into the bar. And, and I'm like, like, can you not my see favorite, these fangs, my bro? Favorite part, yeah, my favorite part is when the guys when the guys from the corporation jump on her in the alleyway and the guy's like, what is she? It's like, you mean you didn't see Did she? You? Her looks haven't changed. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> that bothered me a lot because I'm reading this. And so I go, I, I'm reading and I go back a couple pages and I read again and I go back like a couple more pages. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, are, are the fangs invisible? Like, are they supposed to be like visible to me? Because usually when you're drawing something invisible, you give it the dotted line effect to kind of show yeah. that it can't be seen. But no, it was clear <laughs> that all these fucking vampire chicks well, had fangs in their mouth, but and, nobody else could see the fangs. And, and, and like, in defense, this is a nerd guy, so he's probably not going to make eye contact in the first place. So he's no, probably there's not going to be looking up at there's her There's other face. people, though. The paintball yeah. guy. The paintball, the paintball guy. Yeah. The freaking... Now... The only well, thing I could attribute it to was this. Now, I thought about this, and I, and I thought about, like, old-school vampire stuff like Dracula, right? Mm. And if you make, like, direct eye contact with old-school vampires, you're in a trance. Like, yeah, you're, you're glamored. You're, right. Yeah. You're, you're, so, so I was thinking that maybe the glamour, they maybe didn't, that was an effect. And I, the only reason in, I, in a very, very light fashion, because they, they did not really... He, they didn't really spell out the glamour. They touched like. it a little bit. So in the club, in the club, when the guy, like the one guy, is like, "Oh yeah, you know, whatever," and his friend's like, "Well, man, I'm gonna leave." There's a scene where her, eye, like, they zoom in on her eye really big, and I think it's got the cat's eye thing going on. Yeah, and yeah. I think that. I think that was supposed to symbolize it. Their so representation like, of of the glamour type stuff, right? Yeah. So. That's what I took from that, but trust me, like the fang shit bothered me. I was, I was definitely bothered it, it, by it, that. It even bothers me to a lesser degree, but still bothers me the main character that she's got gray. Can you skin. not see the color of her gray skin? skin. She's, she's got yeah. gray yeah, skin. She's gray. That's why if pale. they adapt this to TV, I don't know how they're going to do that. Which they, she's just going to be completely pale. The or? only thing that I can consider is that is that so. She's got a very small circle of friends, right? Mm. Where one um, of them is a dog. One of them's a were terrier, and the <laughs> other one's a ghost. And the other one is this diner owner that this diner that Dixie. she always goes into. And the other, the only other people that really interact with her on a regular basis in the book are the three people that she works with at the graveyard. So the, I mean, I can see that the the gray skin thing doesn't matter much because all it's just. The assumption is that the people that are around her when the book starts are people that know her so well that it's just doesn't that it's not an issue. Maybe there's been an explanation in the past, or maybe there's something where she's just maybe like they said no, she had like a sun disease, you know, like I guess a sun something, yeah, where or something so or whatever. It, it doesn't bother me nearly as much as the the vampire fangs. The vampire fangs, the vampire fangs, like every the shit out of me. <laughs> every time, like they, you see one of the women. Not only does she have fangs, but she has her mouth closed and the fangs. Are and the fangs out. are still out. The and I, underst- I understand out. that as a stylistic representation of vampires, but come on, you gotta like, I don't know, maybe and maybe that's, I don't know if that's something that's part of my problem with Elred's art is that maybe he's doing that doing that as a kind of cartoony stylistic purposeful thing. Just to be like, this person's a vampire, and you know it, but does this guy know it? Kind of, and it's like, I don't know that that part of it. You were gonna say something, Mandy? What were you? I, like, so I, I think of um, oh god, I can't remember who wrote the hunt or who did the art for the Hunter and the Parker novels. Um, 
Darwin Cook. Darwin Cook. Like, there's some sort of Darwin Cook-esque style to the lines in this book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah However, w- while Darwin Well, Cook- considering that Darwin Cook did one of the guest covers that's in this. <laughs> yeah, but, like, so, like, there's a, um, I don't want to explain it. Darwin Cook does an excellent job of being, like, he's very purposeful with his lines, and if something is exaggerated, it's meant to. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this book is exaggerated to be exaggerated on purpose, mm. but there's too much of it. See, I think that's I, I think that's Mike Allred though, like because Mike Allred's art is always like that. Yeah, and but it's like I, I, it is it is purposeful. I don't agree with it, but I understand where he's coming from. Sure, but that's just my two cents. Yeah, so I it's that, and then the other thing is as far as there's some unclear portions with. Uh, I guess her name is Dix. No, her name is not. No, L is the L is the ghost, right? L is the ghost. Right. L is the ghost. Yeah. There's some there's some confusion there for me. Madman. That's what I was trying to think of. Mike Allred's thing. Oh, sorry fuck. for interrupting, but yeah. So go ahead. there's some confusion there for me because okay, it's a lightning so bolt, not next. The very point. first time, the very first time that they introduce L to the to the world, so to speak, um, outside of her and Gwen's interactions, they go to a diner, right? So. They go in a diner, and the wear terrier, Spot, or I think his real name is Scott, but they call him Spot, mm-hmm. he says, hey, guys, come sit over here, right? However, Dixie never addresses Elle. Like, it, it's written so that she never addresses her, so it's implied that she can't be seen. Yeah. However, there's times when she is addressed, like, that she... They explain that the go- a ghost can be seen when by whoever want- she wants to see her. So... They they specifically say that like she can she can wander around and be invisible as invisible as she Mm -hmm. wants to be especially in daylight right and that at night she can just kind of float in and out of things and let whoever the fuck wants to see her right and I and I understood that and I understood that so but it looks like there Scott sees them both he's like hey guys come sit over here but Dixie never addresses her like what do you want to order so I don't like you know I mean I'm kind of. That that whole thing was just kind of weird to me. Even though you're it right, it's kinda, explained. It it's, would kind of make sense for Ellie to not let Dixie see her, if only because that way it doesn't become this awkward thing where she's constantly being asked to order something and doesn't have to, or- and she's never going to order food. It's that. And then the other thing was, um, I guess it was the tangibility thing. Like she was like, I guess, I guess she can. Get she can touch certain Manifest. things and, and move right and move certain things. But She's she, basically a poltergeist. It, it, I don't know. I, that part for me is very. It's explainable. The writing explains it and it's explaining the story. However, I think that's something that's very difficult to illustrate. Yeah, I think they did a good job with the writing though, because of the fact that she does. When she lays out the picnic, right, and she's yeah. like, "Well, I this I, was all I could, I get, could get because get. it's all I could manage to move." Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, it's they might not be able to illustrate it that well, it's, but I think they did a good job of, like, illustrating it through the writing and through the right. dialogue of of being like she as a poltergeist, she can only kind of do some yeah. certain things. Um, I think, like, aside from Allred's art, like Allred's art is fine for this thing. It it's is. not my style, think, um, but. Uh, like, like I was looking at some stuff, um, some pictures online when I was uh, looking at more of his art, and I think when he's doing his own thing like this, right? This is this Chris Robertson and Mike Allred own this and created this. 
His art's totally fine because it's a thing that that's his, and he gets to draw it however the fuck he wants. My problem with Allred's art is when he goes into like the superhero stuff, and it becomes a almost hyper retro stylized. Uh, like when he draws like the Avengers and stuff, mm-hmm. and he did like a run on Fantastic Four, and it was like super retro like almost kirby-esque in its retro Mm. styling Mm -hmm. and i'm not a fan of that and i remember somebody um (laughs) the same time i was getting my uh you know somebody pushed up my stool for the fucking (laughs) uh not liking allred's art he's like well do you like jack kirby and i went "Eh." and i'm like (laughs) oh god here's the the thing here's Eh. the thing he's uh, kirby is one of those guys that i completely get kirby i get that he's humongously influ- influential on comic book art. He's yeah. a pioneer of the things that uh, have become standard in comic book art, and that mm. that sort of you know the hyper foreshortened, super exaggerated style, you know, m- spandex wearing, muscle bound guys. Kirby, Kirby did like he was the forefather of that. Kirby and a lot of the other artists of his Ooh, era, right? But when I look at Kirby's art, I see old art i see i'm like yes this is fine that's, for 1960 yeah and right? i think i think it's one of those things it's like if you if you thought about it in a, in a comparison that you can make is like okay just because someone's a pioneer doesn't necessarily mean that they're the greatest sure. because people modernize and they come and they come along and, and they evolve, evolve right? And, right and like, things and things evolve so it's like let's let's take for example you know a classic car it's like is is it classic? Yes, but is this modern version of that car a better version? Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. So it's well, and, 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 and if you're talking about Camaros, what, the answer is no. <laughs> I think that's what Allred is going for because yeah. throughout this, you, you notice that if there's ever anybody in the foreground or the background, you'll notice he'll add this like kind of pointillist effect. Yep, yep. The, to, like the printer, the printer dots. Exactly, yeah. like the printer dots they used to have in the in the old comic books, and so that's like kind of the Sir feeling he was going for. Is he, as kind of like a mod, yeah. Throwback. It's it's very that. it's very much like this kind of like. Um, oh, what am I trying to? Okay, can nobody see like, those fangs? <laughs> like, can you not? I mean, dude, she's in your face, bro. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And and so with this story, I I really liked it. They were they were trying to go for a kind of noir look because they they obviously have the the inner monologue of the of the main character. I can't remember her name. For Gwen. Some. Gwen. They have the they have the inner monologue of Gwen. Uh, she, for me, they do it a little bit too much. I mean, she is a little. She, I get the sassiness and everything, but she does the sass a little bit too. She has I to feel comment like, on every single thing. I feel like they're setting. I feel like that they set that up intentionally because of the fact that when she eats a brain. She gets the like the, the thoughts and the memories yeah. of yeah. the person she That's ate, good, and I the think, oversoul. I think, yeah, and I think they set that up intentionally so that when that comes in in like issue three, it doesn't seem out of place. Right yeah. now, you hear her thoughts arguing with the, other, the thoughts yes. of the brain that she just ate. Yeah, and maybe it's because. Uh, it's trying to go with a more feminine voice of that, mm-hmm. as opposed to like most noir. It's it's you know the the hardened uh, detective or whatnot. What I- the thing the thing that gets me is that it starts to get <clears throat> like her commentary on everything, it, and it reminded me of like Holden Caulfield. 
You know, just like, didn't like, didn't like, everybody's a faker. Like, oh, look at this guy. He's a, <laughs> this guy's, yeah. Fuck Holden Coffee. <laughs> but she has a snarky comment about every single little thing to the point where I started disliking the character because of it. Yeah, because she that. was like, oh, I can't, I can't deal with this. I'm a zombie, but I got to eat brains all the time. And it's so gross. And, and this guy, this wear terrier really likes me. And he's like a puppy dog. And. Uh, it got a little tiresome. Okay, after a and while. let's think Where about I this. Think... She's from. Okay, the story is set in the P and W. Like it's set in Eugene, oh, Oregon. Yeah. She's yeah. she she is. I mean, from my interaction, pretty much along the lines of like a traditional like P and W esque female. Well, like, yeah, and especially she's about Eugene. like like and and, and I, so the character because well, Eugene is about the, the most liberal part. The of character Oregon, representation, yeah. I think, is is fairly accurate. It, it's no, she's well. I think mm-hmm. that I yeah, think it that is. also yeah. it's geared. Like we were talking earlier, how we're not really the target audience for this group because we're all we're all mid thirties and above or late twenties. How old are you? Thirty one. Thirty one. Okay. Oh my so god! You're just a baby. Thirties uh, and above males who look at this and we're like, yeah, okay, this isn't really it's us. Probably for tweens. Because yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think if I, you like Twilight, you're gonna love iZombie. Glittery fucking Honestly, lovers. Glitter I, I don't lovers. think it's Twilight. Actually, I think it's Buffy. It's it's Buffy and. Uh, the being human and lost girl and mm-hmm. that are all it's all <laughs> the very much the same kind of like which is why it makes sense that WB picked it up as a show because it's like the same audience Felicity. that's gonna love <laughs> lost girl is gonna she really love this show yeah so right? and, and here's another question because she is kind of a detective and solves crimes from the brains that she eat is does Veronica Mars has that kind of inner monologue yeah, when she eats brains, totally. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's what I thought. No, well, uh, no Veronica, that Mars, was, uh, Veronica Mars does have a definite... What it's was a the definitely neo-noir that? thing. Yeah, so. okay. And because it, because she is she has her Scooby gang that's right. trying to solve these mysteries um, that she... That they have this inner monologue, right? Yeah. I can totally understand that. And I can get where the supernatural aspects of the different characters she has... And lends themselves to her detective yeah. Yeah, sleuthing. Yeah, yeah. Like when Elle goes into the house now, first, see, you can totally find out all the information you need to know from a person or scope out uh, a different place with Elle because she can go anywhere and not yeah. be seen. And then you have, McGuire, you have your little nerdy one. terrier guy, which Inter- is kind of funny. He's a terrier because he goes and retrieves information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so I can totally understand ah, that too. Retrieves. And then you have the, you have the Buffy kind of... Um, Master handler character in the mummy guy, yeah, who yeah, informs her on everything that's happening. Who's going to be jo- this version, Jeez. this, this right. TV show slash comics version of Giles? Giles, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. I, so about the about the detective thing, I think that's mm. actually probably one of my biggest problems with the story was that there wasn't a lot of detecting. In this particular story, we're arc. detectives who really solve no crimes. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah. it's it's we all, it was like from the moment she talked about the 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 thoughts, they already knew who the bad guy was. It was just like, oh, we saw that guy on tri- on Halloween for trick or treating, blurb, 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 and and it was done. And he was gave like, me a rock. Yeah, and then they walked in, and then it was like, oh, hi. Let me explain everything. Here's here's the exposition for the entire comic. Yeah, it's, book. I think it's like char- ready made for a WBCW. It really TV. feels like a it feels like a TV show pitch. And oh that's, yeah, it, the oh, yeah. character uh, the the this ver- the Giles in this book, I believe he's super freaking over dramatic. Like his whole the I way think he's, he's supposed to be. 
Is he like? Oh, is yeah. I'm like, man, this dude is like, he's acting his ass off. He's like, oh, he's bullshit. <laughs> his hands are in the air. He he's very majestic. The man's so. got. He's got the fucking whatchamacallit, the Playboy robe on. Like, he's got, he's got, the Hugh Hefner. He's got the Hugh Hefner robe on. The man's got a tiger. Like, it's just, there's, there's, Pimp. there's some over the, very over the top, like, um, there's some very over the top things that, uh, yeah. that kind of get me. Like, one of the things is Horatio's in, in, uh, enamored state whenever he sees Gwen. He's like, yeah. She's so beautiful. Yeah, it's Which practically brings, like hearts floating above swear, his head kind yeah, of thing. And like, it's, it's like a fucking Sims game. Like, <laughs> spell and drama. Yeah. And, yeah. and it bring, that brings me back to the fact of, okay, is this chick not gray to you? Like, okay, so you're enamored with her. <laughs> you're a monster like, hunter and yeah, you can't tell you, she's you a zombie. You can't tell that something's wrong yeah. with her. Great. Like... And you get the impression that eyes. you also get the impression that Horatio is is has been around a long time, right? Because yeah. they mention like he talks about how he doesn't like computers and he still uses like like a fucking like Polaroid a Polaroid and like, stuff. And it's like um, which is funny because their whole thing of the Fossums was that they kill things that are supposed to um, die. I know, right? It's and the, that's where the I just little conflict. For. I just wanted to see a, a good line to go with the Hugh Hefner comment from earlier. Like she shows up, she's like, "Look, you're you're trying to pull off." Hugh Hefner here and at best it's like Larry <laughs> one of the funniest scenes in here is on page um, don't get page numbers it's not gonna matter yeah yeah. well it's right after they have the fight with the vampire girl who they don't kill right away they knock her out well uh-huh. they stab her in the they heart they stab her in the, the heart right and I guess I guess you have to like in this version in this lore you have to bury them too so you have to stab them and then bury them no they just they they buried her so she would be hidden no, I think because it seems like when they go to find her, they thought that they could. Oh no, that's right. The girl said they thought they just roughed her up. She a had bit. A, yeah, she, right. they had a wood stake through. Anyway, her heart. they dumped this chick in the trunk. <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna. Get well, in to. the original, um, like in the in the old school va- vampire lore, the stake wouldn't kill a vampire. It would immobilize. It would immobilize them. them so you could cut their head off. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wow, really? Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. In the original vampire lore, the stake immobilized, and then you had the final blow. Mm-hmm. But. uh it's like I'm Coupe like, de Grazi, like, sir. Coupe <laughs> de Grazi. Like, I'm like, man, they freaking well. And then here's another thing, right? So in the, one of the scenes where they're where the final fight, and he, he goes to stab her, um, Horatio goes to stab her after Horatio headbutted her, which was impressive, very yeah, impressive. Like well, bam! She's like, holy shit! Like she was totally thrown off. Like she didn't expect the headbutt. And this is a vampire. Like they're supposed to be like stronger and everything, right? So. I, but but okay. Yeah, we don't really know what. Yeah, the, we don't the, really the know the extent of their lore. Her, the other chick, the fucking the, the CEO, so speak of the yeah. fucking the fucking vampires, uh, coven, the, yeah. the coven or whatever, because they're running a business. Okay. Which I actually kind of liked. I actually I liked that. That was one of the things that I liked about this was the whole concept of this almost like like vampire sorority that had like graduated well into put, a business yeah. where they were like we're we're not trying to kill people we don't want to get caught we're just right. trying to draw groups of guys into a situation where we can isolate we'll them isolate long one, enough to get, get a, a drink get a feed and, let and then go, let them right? go and Which, like so what was crazy is that the the ceo is in the background like in the shadows of one of these watching the whole thing go down like mm. <laughs> like, like, oh well, what's done is done. You well, know that's I mean? because that's because earlier in the book, she she even says she like, whoever pretty- it is that's going off the reservation, she's just going to kill them. And themselves. she figured out it was so. Her. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was her that was going off the reservation. And the thing is, the other thing is, but so 
So when I think it's the leader that takes a bite of the guy whose birthday it is, lets him go, but then he ends up dying anyway. Yeah, I that's think that because I, the, the redhead followed him later. Follow, yeah, that's what I was. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So I think um, redheads. It got picked up for a TV show. Pilot's been formed, been mm. filmed. It's it's actually, as far as I'm aware, it actually got picked up for a, a like think like a ten or thirteen season uh, episode. Yeah, and season. Lock and Key yeah. didn't. And Lock and Key. Yeah. Um, they're going to run the TV show, and DC has already canceled the comic book. Like issue twenty eight, right? Something wait, like that. Wait, D- I Zombies canceled. Yeah, yeah it canceled no, like six months that. ago, six or eight months yeah. ago. It was, the, it was the Millar method of comic books, where yeah, they have they have enough comics or uh, enough. Of a storyline to flesh out the storyboards, it's a proof of concept. To pass it, it over to, okay, to the so other. With, with what I say about storylines and like story arcs and whatnot, that each one of these, like, it really was episodic because you could see, okay, she eats brains every episode, mm-hmm. gets these memories, goes on an adventure and hijinks, and from those hijinks, there's story threads that are spawned off of that. My hope like is one that is my hope that is that it won't be about a, an hour though. She's eating a brain every episode. My hope is that it's not a brain it. per episode. My hope it, is that it's a it's like four or five episode arcs with a brain. It's got yeah, be and like, it's brain oh. set that's a setup, and then your second one is your you know yeah, your, yeah, your yeah, mystery yeah. where they're figuring a, things out, and your third one is your resolution. If it's a brain per episode, then then no. Episode I could even how long of an episode? How long is episodes were Buffy or Lost? They were an hour. Yeah, they're an hour. I could I could actually see if it's. 10 episode seasons I could see it being a brain a season and just having it like as long as they add more complexity to the investigation than what was in this particular storyline I could I could easily see them being like she eats a brain at the beginning of a season she gets a flash and then there's your I I could see her eating a brain every episode and yeah, then figuring, trying to resolve. Remember, it's that only guy's... once a month, though. That's yeah, the thing. Like in, I the, know. in the world of the co- in the world of of this comic book, like the minimum amount yeah, brain once, once a month, which would be perfect because there's all kinds of stuff that happened in yeah, between. I suppose. That. But in a brain an episode, it spawns these threads of like, oh, I met this interesting mummy guy I can't kill, but he said there's people after me, and oh, I met this guy that's really cool, but it turns out that he's a Capulet, and then oh, <laughs> I met this this other guy, or you know, and I st- and. I have these coven of vampires that are, you know, yeah. that are out there and they're trying to stay hidden and because they bitchy. get wrapped into very, it. Very, very The one thing, I have to say, one thing is also perfect for this for like the WB is that it's very hipster and now yep. and this story is all inclusive, right? It's really hipster. You have the, the nerdy kid who's and a terrier. You have the, the hip main character who's really snarky and the mod like old school ghost. Yeah, and then yep. you also have it is. Yeah, it's it, the no, it seriously is. It's totally set up for 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 um for TV. <laughs> then you also have like yeah. the the paintballers that were that were gay. You could tell because they had the the they had the rainbow flag on their on their yeah, okay. chest. Yeah, those guys those guys were gay. And then you have oh, the the the, the hunts the the hunter that was uh, he was probably Asian. And so That's everybody right. really is discern everybody. Was. It wasn't, and it would be sad if this show was whitewashed. They whitewash the whole thing. Yeah, it, it was definitely going to graywash Gwen. Anyway, it, yeah, this is perfect this. for the see, God, please. Andy by Barber. Very many black people in this comic. Um, the face by Barrow or Burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to say blah. 
I you really, so you're somewhere between burn and borrow. Yeah, it's like. not like this is the worst thing. This is no holy terror by any means. Oh, but it's just, Jesus. it's not something that holds any interest to me. And also, I think yeah, that zombie books, audience. zombie wrong books audience. have been way, way oversaturated in the past few well, years. Well, to be fair, though, they do. This is a pretty interesting. It's, like, it's an interesting take, but nonetheless, uh, subversion of the zombie genre. I just like, feel like that that sort of trope is run its course. Yeah. Joel by Barburn. Uh, for my nieces i would buy it not yeah. not for me i would i would burn this in a fire but <laughs> no but this is this is perfect <laughs> wouldn't as even piss on to, it to put it out wait, as opposed to not Fuck a borrow as opposed to you not could burn it in acid or whatever eddie buy borrow or burn <laughs> i think i'm gonna throw my copy on top of jules okay <laughs> <laughs> burn it. I I'm gonna say borrow. I I leaned toward burn for a while, but it's like, it's just I can't I can't burn it because of the fact that I do know that it's written well for the audience that it's trying to target. But I am not that audience, so I can't say burn because I say if you're if you are a if you're a fan of Lost Girl or Being Human and you're um like in your mid to late teens. This would be a fantastic comic book to start you into comic books and be mm. an interesting uh, kind of gateway drug into into comics. So I guess my biggest problem is that I, I can't get into that mindset, so I can't adequately judge how the target market would react to this book. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> All right, so we have uh, a lot of fucking episodes uh, finally planned out in front of us. Probably till uh, January all the way through episode eighty-one. Yeah, that'll be through January. Um, uh, the next episode, episode seventy-five, we're going to do the Ed Brubaker, uh, Steve Epting book, Velvet, and then after that, we're doing Andy's suggestion of Jersey Gods. I don't even know what Jersey Gods is, so it's I can't like guy. say anything about it. Who plays hockey? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go with that. Um, and then episode 77 is going to be Harley Quinn, which is one of Eddie's suggestions. Hey, Mr. J! <laughs> uh, episode 78 is going to be interesting. Episode 78, uh, we had a, a listener on our Facebook group uh, named Nick who wanted us to do... It's All Hail Megatron, right? The Transformers, yeah. IDW Transformers book, All Hail Megatron. And he uh, offered to uh, give us copies of the book so that we could review it on the show. So we're going to take a listener suggestion. And on episode 78... We're going to do Transformers All Hail Megatron. And then episode 79, we're doing the first volume of Hellboy, which includes... Uh, Is that the Storm? No, I'm trying to remember. I just got rid of my copy at ECCC. Damn it. Okay. I, I can't... It's, it, we're going to yeah, do the... We'll do, we'll do the first volume of the library edition is what basically yeah. what we're going to do. Um, and then... For episode 80, for our long read, we are going to finally do Transmetropolitan, for, and we're doing the entire run of the book from... There's 10 trades, right? 10 trades, and there's a, technically a zero trade, but it's just short stories okay. and articles posted by Spider Jerusalem. And then uh, for episode, we've even got through episode 81, which we're going to do uh, Brian, uh, Brian Glass or and... Michael um, Omin. Wait. Omin. Oh, Omin. F- Fuck. No, Fuck. Emming doesn't draw it. It's the guy that draws um, Mice Templar. And I can't remember his name. It's Glass. Santos. Santos? Yeah. Uh, Glass writes Mice Templar and Santos draws it. So it's uh, Furious. (laughs) That's the book that we're doing. Um, 
so yeah, uh, we've got all those episodes uh, planned out. Velvet, Jersey Gods, uh, Harley Quinn, All Hail Megatron, Hellboy, Transmetropolitan, and Furious. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can email us just like Scanner51 did at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at TradesecretsPod. You can talk to us on our Facebook group, which is where Nick got a hold of us to give us uh, the Transformers book and talk to us about some other stuff. And our Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash tradesecretsatgeekerific. It's podcast. We're all individually on Twitter. Eddie? Shit. Great doctor. <laughs> I don't know. Andy? Mathtastrophe. Joel? Uh, Superfly. I'm at Geek Elite. You can hit us all up on Twitter. The, tr- the show's feed is Trade Secrets Pod. We don't really talk much on there, but we'll do show announcements and stuff. So, uh, But it, we, love to hear from, we love to hear from fans. Scanner51 sends us an e- about an email a week. Uh, we have a couple built up in our in our backlog that we haven't uh, addressed yet because we you know we only have so much time on the show, but uh, we love to hear from you. So hit us up on our Facebook group, or hit us up on Twitter, or hit us up on on email. This has been episode seventy four of the Trade Secrets Podcast, all about the Vertigo book Eye Zombie. Thank you, Andy. Happy birthday, Dale. Thank you, Joel. Uh, Thank you, Eddie. Christy J. <laughs> we will see you guys in a couple weeks. We are out. Working harder, making better, doing faster, makes us stronger than ever.